0: After reviewing the play, the call on the ice stands, we got to go! Okay, colors, we are set to go. Let's go! We are kicking. Watch the blue! There we go. Yeah, baby. Hey, hey you, you got it? the power play, get out of here. Hey, already, already fixed right here for the rough. Both guys, five minutes each. for fighting! Hey, hey!
1: We're not doing this! I don't want to babysit all night. A little bit of nastiness today. Eh? Nothing good's oh, yeah. coming out of this,
0: big man. Have you seen this before? Yes, it's rule something point something. He's not putting his stick in you. You keep your stick out of him. Here we go. It's rule boys. Go. Hey, hey, hey! Let's go. After further review, it's the Scouting the Refs podcast. Here's your hosts, Todd Lewis and Josh Smith.
1: When you ready, big guy? All right, guys,
0: let's drop the puck. <laughs> Josh, there are a lot of people that kind of wonder about the All-Star break. Is it a good idea? Is it a bad idea? I I like it. It can be a fun event. I think it's ridiculous to think that it's going to be a super competitive game, but it can be a fun event. Some of the players like enjoying their time in the sunshine, in this particular case in Florida. But I I think it's also good to have a little break for everyone. Just kind of catch your breath, reset, reset. We talked last week about maybe giving the officials a nice five-day holiday too, but I don't see that happening. But a little break and a reset is nice for everyone.
1: It is. Some of the officials get more time off than others because certainly the games have dwindled. You know, we went from full schedules down to like just a handful of games this week and we'll pick back up with a handful of games. So I I used to like the long weekend for the All-Star break. It's the shoulder season around that where you only get two, three games a night and the NHL schedules them all at the same time. So you can only watch one game. I'm looking forward to the you know the eight game nights or the 11 game nights, or at least the spread out schedule when you can have an early game and a late game. So I, I think it's good. I think it's nice to have that break in the middle for everybody. But I am, Todd, admittedly anxious to get back to a full slate of games because those nights, the chaos, the excitement, the uh, controversy, those are where the fun seems to
0: happen. Those will be happening again next week as we get back to full schedule. So stock up on batteries for the remote control. You'll have the busy nights to get ready for. This is the Scouting the Refs podcast. Make sure you follow us on the social channels. Find Josh at Scouting the Refs on Twitter and Instagram. For me, it's at Toddler with Sports on Twitter and Instagram. On this week's episode, Zegras and Stetcher riled up. Keefe isn't a West fan. Where's the All-Star Refs? And perhaps the best idea... Ever for miked would up. How is that for a tease?
1: Best ever. I mean, I love the mic'd up, but where can we go? Where can we go, Todd? What is uh, what is it just what is it?
0: I'm saving that one for the end. Okay. Let's first of all congratulate AHL referee, Terry Koharski. Yes, that is a familiar name, Koharski, who wrapped up a 40-year officiating career this past week. Congratulations on a great run in stripes.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, his brother Don, more the headline catcher in the NHL, but Terry has worked his share of games as well, as, as has Jamie. So the Koharski family has spent years in stripes. And for the first time, I think since I believe it was 1975, there will not be a Koharski officiating a professional hockey game in North America for the upcoming season. So thanks to Terry for all his hard work everything he's done over the years all the time he's put in from working the games working internationally and then helping to develop young officials it's been a career that uh, I think he can look back and be proud on for everything he's done personally and and for the leagues he's worked in so congratulations to Koharski as the Koharski family heads off into the sunset from professional officiating
0: We did mention that it is NHL All-Star Weekend. Everyone has gathered in South Florida. There was a media day involving the players. There is one media story that has not come out yet, and that is who are the NHL All-Star officials that are going to be working both the skills competition and the game? I haven't seen anything about that, and I don't think you have either, Josh.
1: It has been strangely quiet. The National Hockey League public relations press machine has been in full gear. We've seen all of the <laughs> events. We've seen the mascots. We've seen the activities. We've seen the musical guests, everything going on, except the officials. Not a peep, Todd. Not, not hmm. a word, not a mention, not a highlight, not recognition to call these guys out for being honored and selected to work this game. Nothing.
0: You don't think that the officials are waving off the game like some of the players actually do behind the scenes, do you?
1: Oh, I don't think so. You know, it's usually a good honor and and these guys are happy to go there. I think this year, especially in South Florida, nobody's going to turn down the opportunity to get a trip there, work a game, hang out, have some fun, because it is nice for them to have that loose, light atmosphere with the players. I, I really think... We underestimate the all-star game from a a fun and PR standpoint. You you look at the actual competitiveness or the seriousness. That's not what it's about. It's really for the fans and it's for fun. But it's great to give the officials a chance to be on the ice with the players and and interact in a a kind of a different environment. So I think these guys look forward to it. I I think it's, you know, in addition to being an honor, it gives you a chance to kind of have a different dynamic with the players on the ice. So I think none of them are going to turn it down, especially in South Florida. But uh, I, I, I do think... Those who aren't invited aren't exactly complaining about the time off either.
0: And it's not exactly a really tough gig for the officials either. I mean, this is not a game where you're having a scrum after every whistle or you're handing out a lot of penalties and stuff. In fact, I don't even remember the last penalty in an All-Star game.
1: I do. I do. (laughs) I'm raising my hand from the back of the room here. Yeah, we've had penalties in the All-Star game. It's not common. But they have happened. The last penalty that we had that was called was actually a penalty shot called on uh, Patrick Kane, who hooked down, uh, was now now teammate Seth Jones. So we had a penalty shot on that play, which was unsuccessful. And that was the third penalty shot in All-Star Game history. So that, you go back four years for that. But you have to go back even further uh, to the prior year for Johnny Gaudreau getting a tripping penalty was the last time a player sat in the box in the All-Star game. And it had gone years and years before that, where we (laughs) hadn't had a penalty prior. So Johnny Gaudreau, currently the the record holder for the most recent player to sit in the penalty box at the NHL All-Star game. And he was sent there by refs Wes McCauley and Dave Jackson.
0: Well, there you go. All right. Well, we'll see if anybody shows up in stripes this weekend, but as of now, it's a, uh, it's a definite <laughs> question mark. So, okay. There is a, an incident that occurred in this past week of action that I wanted to ask about because it got a lot of attention, a lot of focus on social media, but I think there's a couple other questions that everyone will be interested in, in terms of procedures for officiating. It was during the Ducks and Coyotes game, uh, coming together of players in a scrum. And as we mentioned, it was Trevor Zegras who had a a rather vocal back and forth with Arizona's Troy Stetcher. Whatever Zegras said got a lot of attention. There were a lot of accusations about what he did say or discuss First, it was Stetcher, and then it was Zgris who said, no, I didn't talk about anything that was really over the line. The officials, though, did hand out a 10-minute misconduct on the play for comments. So a bunch of speculation ran amok. But I think in the end, if you went over the line here and get a 10-minute misconduct, it's probably the best outcome. Well, that's exactly right, Todd. I think
1: going over the line— and. We look at the situation here of what happened, and you have altercations, you have player incidents on the ice, and then you get a guy mouthing off. And whatever was said or whatever the comments were that Zegras made, obviously the officials felt they were over the line. And that's where the 10-minute misconduct comes in. I think it's the right call, like you said, because... It gives Zegris some time to cool off. You're looking at a 10-minute penalty. He gets to go and sit down. Obviously, he's being punished for what he did. And and yet, you're not penalizing the team for him making some inappropriate comments, for whatever he said. So you're not putting a team shorthanded. They're jumping right to the 10-minute misconduct, which sees the team stay at even strength. But Zegris gets to go sit for a while. So it's something that we've seen the officials enforce before. Typically, it's around guys mouthing off or or when, when they're getting warnings or being told to not do something and they continue to do that something, that's when they usually pick up the 10.
0: OK, so the player gets punished for being a jerk, not the team getting shorthanded, which I guess <laughs> makes sense. I, I did have another question here, though. What is the official's role in all this when there's a an altercation and there's verbal jabs going back and forth? Clearly a misconduct for some bad words. Again, don't know exactly what they were. Is this reported to the league in game notes or the post-game report? What is the process here?
1: Well, typically with the misconduct, we'll see them, if, if the player continues, comes back on the ice, or even after he's hit with the misconduct, keeps going, then then you can look at a game misconduct and tossing the guy from the game completely. But in either case, after the game, the officials do prepare some game notes or a report at the end of the game. And if there's anything Regarding obscene gestures or language by a player, coach, team official, that does go into their game notes for review by the league. So in, in this case, we don't know what Zagra said, but given that he got a 10 minute misconduct, I'm, I'm willing to bet that it showed up in the game notes, which makes it even more perplexing or more frustrating why it hasn't leaked out as to what was actually said, because, you know, I, look, Stetcher was complaining to the officials afterward. We saw he kept going even after the penalties were gone. and And I think they were they were talking. Things kind of calmed down and he was still talking to the officials about it. It wasn't about the physical part. It had to be about the comments that were said. So, yes, this would have shown up in the report and this potentially would have gone to the league for further action. We haven't seen any action at this point. I wouldn't expect any further action, but certainly something that that would be noted and reported
0: to the management at Hockey Ops. I'm waiting for someone to file an, an appeal under the Freedom of Information Act to try to get a hold of those games. <laughs> hey, notes. wow,
1: that's a good call. It's, 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 it's got to be in there, right? And maybe the officials don't specify what it was. Typically, you'd, you'd expect them to. But no, we're, we're at the mercy now of, of talented lip readers across North America to try, <laughs> try to tell us what it was. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's that's not maybe the best source. Okay, uh, Sheldon Keefe has not been a fan of I think all the fans' favorite referees, Wes McCauley. At times this year, in a game with the Caps and the Leafs, the coach disagreed with the call for high sticking on Rasmus Sandin. Stick came up, caught Caps Connor Sheary. Sandin got a minor penalty issued by McCauley. Only problem is. Those of us watching the game saw that it was actually the stick of Nick Backstrom that did the damage. Unfortunately, though, no review allowed here. So let's review why there was no review. Because there was no injury. And
1: yes, once again, we get to the NHL's review rules, which require a major penalty, a match penalty, or a double minor for high staking, which is one that results in an injury injury. If there was blood on the play, they can take a look at it. They can rescind the penalty. But with it not escalating to an injury, it doesn't become eligible for review. So that's where the NHL's drawn the line. And we've seen probably a handful of times this season where, boy, if there was an injury on the play and they reviewed it, they would have overturned it. But since the high stick wasn't severe enough, Backstrom didn't get enough of Sherry's face, apparently. (laughs) Had he injured him, we would have seen uh, no penalty on the play. But since there was no injury, we have to go at the call on the ice. And the call on the ice was a minor for high sticking. It's unfortunate, but this is below the threshold of where the league wants to get to when it comes to penalty reviews.
0: Right. So I I guess the only question here is, does this happen frequently enough that we should review all high sticking penalties?
1: Oh, see, I, it happens enough that we've seen it, but I'm hesitant to start opening that door to review all right. high sticking penalties because then do you start reviewing other minor penalties or if we now review all minor penalties does that open the door for the teams to request a review for a non-call that hey you missed that high stick i want you to go back and take a look at this play. so i think it it starts to get to a slippery slope when we look at minor penalties because if you review a high sticking minor then you review the other minors, then you have to review the non-calls, and we get into a really ugly spot with potentially a whole bunch of reviews. I'm going to say this is human error. It happens. And over the course of the season, it evens out. So let's let's not start reviewing every minor penalty.
0: I'll go along with that. I, I think it's it is infrequent enough that it's not really a major concern at this time.
1: No, and unless it's Wes McCauley and you're Sheldon <laughs> Keefe and it's happened twice <laughs> this year to you and you're already out $25,000 for
0: Last. (laughs) That's right. Okay. Now, the other item I wanted to discuss this week, I think this is an extremely innovative and interesting idea. I think it would provide a lot of clarity on penalty calls. I think it would give insight into how a play was being viewed by the officials on the ice. The the thinking behind any penalties that were assessed on a play or any penalties that were, were chosen not to be called on a play for whatever reason. It gives everyone a valuable insight into the game and provides a great learning tool for learning the rules. With that said, it will never happen. <laughs> Hear no. me out though. All right. Okay. So recently it was Fox Sports that mic'd up a referee, DJ karstensen it was during an ohio state indiana college basketball game okay so these are not you know small schools in the middle of nowhere these are two pretty substantial programs during the game on the broadcast they ran back some of the conversations between karstensen and the head coaches of the teams to explain the reason fouls were called or were not called isn't that an interesting idea? It is a brilliant
1: idea. So? I love it. I don't know why you wouldn't look to implement something
0: like this, perhaps, in the National Hockey League, Todd. So, a couple of logistical things. They were not live. They were recorded and rolled back afterwards during a, a replay. And just to compare what takes place with the National Hockey League, when you see the mic up segments with players as well those are also recorded. They are not live. And there are several stakeholders that must review those replays before they are allowed to air. So there's, there's the behind the scenes thing that takes place. I expect a similar situation would happen here. So you take out the four letter words is basically what, what goes on and you're not going to put someone in a precarious spot that way. If that's the plan going in, I don't see how we shouldn't look at this as as an idea for, for the league. Absolutely. I mean, we've
1: seen them mic up refs here and there, and you might get a little comment or, or a little bit of feedback, but to do it the way it was done in this game, and, and thanks to the NCAA for allowing them to, to broadcast this and for the officials to go along with it, because it was it was amazing insight. I thought the interactions there between the officials and the coaches was good, and that's something that we'd love to hear in the National Hockey League, to hear... What's an exchange at the bench? You know, when we see the ref go over to try to explain uh, whether a controversial call or a missed call, let's hear that explanation. Let's hear exactly what he's telling the head coach. You know, the broadcasters are always guessing. We're trying to figure it out. We know what the penalty call is, but why not tap into that official to hear the explanation? And, and like you said, all right, you can sanitize it. They can clean it up later. But to be able to come back and say, you know, that that penalty call, the officials went over to explain it from a few minutes back, and here's how it went. Come back from commercial and tell us. And now we're all a little more educated and we get a better explanation as to maybe why it was a penalty or not.
0: I think this would also and you touch on it there, really help fans understand why a call was made, what actually is a penalty, what actually is the rule, because so often watching it's mostly on the on the local broadcast, but the the commentators don't know the rule exactly or why it was called, and I find that incredibly frustrating, and I think that contributes to part of the misunderstanding in terms of officiating games absolutely it's. There's a lot that's subject to the official's discretion or that's open to
1: interpretation. And some of it is black and white with how the rulebook's written. And we don't always get that clarity. We don't always get that explanation. And whether it's to a coach or even to the players on the ice, it's great when you have the officials breaking it down to say, hey, guys, this is what the rule is. This is what I saw on the play. That's why it's a penalty. And, you know, it gives you a little explanation on maybe why it wasn't called. Hey, you know, he got my stick and you have the official telling the guy, well, you know, I saw that you went down in the corner, but I didn't have an angle on what happened. And if I don't see it, I can't call it. So, yeah, you know, maybe you get some explanations like I missed it. We heard it on the NCAA broadcast where the officials were talking about the, the backboard being in the way they didn't get a good shot of it. And we have the same thing all the time with players or nets or goaltenders that might be blocking what would be a perfect line of sight. And, and you'd get that
0: insight from the officials. The other thing is, I think this would also promote a more civil discourse between coaches, players, and the <laughs> officials, as well. Not I, just because I, I think there's there's going to be conversations taking place, and I think that if you if you have that kind of conversation rather than you know raising your voice immediately, saying you're a blanking jerk, <laughs> right. then I, I think that that helps the uh, the understanding of where everyone is coming from.
1: Boy, Todd, it sounds like you're you're. Arguing for transparency and accountability in the conversations between the officials and the benches, which no, absolutely, (laughs) though. But it it makes people focus less on the maybe a little less on the emotion and more on the understanding or the clarity of it. And and I think the other piece of it, the piece that I'm I'm personally selfishly most interested in. Apologies to Tim Peel because it was one of those situations that got him in trouble. Yeah, But I want to hear the conversations between the officials. And I don't think yeah. fans notice how much the officials talk, whether it's the four guys huddling together to talk about what happened when maybe a puck went out of play or somebody missed a high stick or something like that. Or the two referees talking about what they saw in the play and and where that threshold is for what's a penalty and what's not a penalty and what are you seeing. And, you know, they have conversations about yeah, how's the game going? What's the flow like? What are we seeing out here? What are we concerned about which guys do we need to keep an eye on those types of dialogue that happen that that drive the game management and i I say that in the good way of game management of trying to manage what's happening on the ice and and make sure you're calling it consistently and that it's fair and that it's even in the sense that both teams are held to the same standard that happens all game long between the officials And, and to me that would be the most fascinating piece to listen in on
0: that's a, a terrific point. I, I think anything to help the, the clarity and the understanding, I, I think the way to maybe approach this, if you're actually going to take the bold step, and I'm, I'm not convinced that the, the league will, is you try it in a few games, but don't tell anybody about it. You just actually, I, I guess you'd have to with the principals involved, the two coaches and, and the officials. But other than that, like, don't let anybody know that you're trying this to see what happens. You could absolutely implement it, mic up the officials, tell the coaches, tell the players,
1: maybe you don't have to mention it on the broadcast. So there's no, no expectation. And then you just ride it out and you see what happens, right? You see, how did the game go? What did we get out of this? Did we get anything that was usable or, or did we not really have a whole lot that was worth listening We've got social media, we've got YouTube, we have plenty of channels that the league could even clean up, package it, and share it to get traffic. We've we've seen it before. You know, there's been the, the few Wes McCauley talking about ice cream clips, or Wes McCauley <laughs> telling Brad Marchand he'd get a cheer if he called a penalty on him in the All-Star game. They have had those moments. So wouldn't this give the league an opportunity to create more of those moments, both in the broadcasts, it could help with your viewership, which, which is dropping, or has dropped a little bit, And it could help on social media to bring eyes in to get more folks to watch the game. So I I think you're right, Todd, implement it. You don't have to say anything, but if it's working, all you have to do is is get those clips out there.
0: And I think by doing that, they'll be giving 110%.
1: (laughs) 110% and more civil conversations. And if it doesn't work, you can always follow the Koharskis and just bring them a box of donuts.
0: We're done. Good job. We're good, in my book. Good stuff, man. Way to work. Yeah, we're good, man. Too long. Let's go sit for a couple.
1: Get in the box. It's the Scouting the Refs podcast. Read more at scoutingtherefs.com. Follow Scouting the Refs on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Scouting the Refs. Email the show at HeyRef at scoutingtherefs.com.
0: Subscribe, share, and keep those sticks down.
1: Beep, beep. That's uh, nice That's good work.